Hey there, welcome back. Something about a pervert Trump video found. Quietly, guys, today very quickly became one of the worst in the entire pathetic, abysmal life of old Donnie. And it's all because the stories that have been building up in the previous days, weeks, and months all converged at this exact moment to deal him a fatal blow that's humiliating him and exposing him yet again in one of the most perverse pieces of footage I have ever seen from this already revolting monster of a man. And it's connected to the fact that the legal news he got today is devastating. It's tearing him apart. And guys, the man today as bad as it is in addition to all of that has also taken a severe wounding blow and now is is very much injured and it, it guys it's this is this is a broken man literally and figuratively now and we're going to get to all of that but we have to tie into the two big pieces of legal developments first you remember last night we talked about this where the four person from the georgia jury came out and said all of these things that you know we shouldn't expect too much of a surprise heavily hinting though not saying directly outright that trump and other people were mentioned for criminal charges in their grand jury report down in georgia and there were some people suggesting that maybe this was a bit of a lifeline for trump that the fact that the four person spoke out would give him and his lawyers an excuse to like dismiss any potential charges or investigations but trump was heartbroken and sobbing today when most people have come out and said that's false hope and helpful it's going to give the defendants something to shoot at and mm -hmm. something to complain about but at the end of the day i i think this is just uh, comic relief um because it, it, first of all the evidence is the evidence um this isn't even the grand jury that is going to pass on the indictments mm -hmm. uh, this is just this was a grand jury that was report it did prepare a report and what she told us there are a few little interesting tidbits and hints there um wasn't all that much in the grand scheme of things i mean we we could have surmised that there were a number of people who were being indicted and I, she said there were no major plot twists well okay yeah. I, I don't expect there to have been any uh, major plot twists and at the end of the day um it you know when when these cases by grand jury uh secrecy gets violated it usually doesn't affect the trial because the trial at the end of the day is whether or not you prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt in before a jury not the grand jury so that's george conway a very a leaning leading conservative legal expert not very pro-trump of course but a conservative legal mind saying look was it technically the most appropriate thing for this to happen probably not she probably shouldn't have said very much she probably shouldn't have agreed to take the interview you know probably causes a bit of headaches for fonnie willis and all of that nonetheless this will not affect one the charging decisions of fonnie willis she's not going to be moved by this she's a career professional she's got her moves she's going to make her moves based on the facts based on her interpretation all of that but more importantly this particular grand jury the, the special one does not make any actual charging decisions. And so therefore, this person speaking out, however inappropriate or awkward it might be, does nothing to bail Trump out. And this is why he's been so exposed tonight. And this is why, you know, everyone, including law enforcement, have been digging over newly released perverse video of Trump. The guys, it's just, it's, it's rocking everybody's world, what we're seeing this evening. 
and, and guys, like, this is not going to be able to because if there are charges coming, it'll have to be confirmed by an entirely new grand jury, and this person will not be a part of it. But then it gets worse for a couple big reasons, and it has everything to do with the bombshell around Jared and Ivanka, and this is big for three reasons. We got to break them down piece by piece because it sets up Trump's perverse exposure tonight as well as his weakened physical state, how this man is now beset by emergencies of all sorts because this is the thing that's going to give him a, a heart attack. Thinking back on the different investigations into Trump, I think this is the first time that I can recall that either of them have been asked to testify before a grand jury. It's obviously a different environment than simply sitting down and being interviewed by prosecutors or agents the way that Kushner was during the Mueller investigation. And it, the biggest question I think here is what will Trump do? As you were pointing out, yes, Trump did allow them, or I don't know, that's probably not the right way of saying it, uh, Trump didn't try and stop them from speaking before the January 6th committee. What will he do here? We know that he has become very obsessive about these investigations in, in recent months. He's obviously in a different place today than he was when the congressional investigation was going on. His, his legal criminal liability is even more to the forefront as all of these different sprawling investigations uh -huh. unspool locally and at the federal level. So uh -huh. what will he do? Will he try and stop them from testifying? It seems like they willingly went in to meet with the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee was able to use their testimony very effectively. I think, you know, they, they kept on playing that clip of Ivanka Trump talking about how she did not think that, that there was election fraud, sort of endorsing the view of Bill Barr. They were, they were constantly playing these clips. And Jack Smith showing... Look, whether it's Mike Pence or the president's son-in-law and daughter, he's not afraid to reach as, as far into Trump's inner circle as possible. So the first part of it there really lays out why they want to speak to Jared and Ivanka, because more than most, they have the mindset of Trump. On J6 directly, because Ivanka was there, Jared wasn't there on the day, but especially in the days running up and maybe even afterwards. And more to the point, this is all connected to the breakdown of the Trump relationship. How since this point, there's been a total severance of the relationship. And guys, that's bad news for Trump, both from an ego perspective, but also legally. Oh, it's a Trump, what do we call them? Truth. It's so ironic, I can barely say that. But this is something <laughs> Trump distributed on his platform, Truth Social. Quote, contrary to fake news reporting, I never asked Jared or Ivanka to be part of the 2024 campaign for president. And in fact, specifically asked them not to do it, Trump wrote, going on to say the campaign would be, quote, too mean and nasty. Is that to be read by anyone as cutting them loose? I think he tweeted that after they were known to have testified before the select committee. I don't know what he means by what he's saying. I can't, I, can't, I can't make sense of that. It's clear that they don't have, it, at least based on sort of what we know, the, they're not in the room with Trump every day the way they were in the White House. Besides that, what does the inner workings of the Trump family look like post-White House? I don't have a great sense of it. I'm not sure if Trump was, you know, 
I'm not sure what you know what that message or tweet or whatever posting was about or what he was trying to say. At the end of the day, these were people who were around Trump for some of the most critical moments of his presidency. And to have access to those people, it would be a pretty extraordinary thing. It was extraordinary when the January 6th committee spoke to them. And it will be extraordinary if they ultimately, you know, are able to get their testimony before a grand jury, because these are not just run-of-the-mill aides. These aren't just people who were there at different points. They were there for the entire presidency and in the room for much of it. And that's just an incredible wealth of information. If you're a prosecutor looking at Donald Trump in a wide, you know, range of things, you know, these are great witnesses. Andrew Weissman, there's another... Um... Don't buy solar panels. Seriously, there is a very good reason why we're saying this. If you're thinking about buying solar panels, no, don't. The U.S. government will literally buy them for you if you take 60 seconds to answer a few questions below. Hi there. If you are a homeowner in America and you wouldn't mind saving a couple thousand dollars on your electricity bill this year, then you're really going to love what the U.S. So quietly, guys, today very quickly became one of the worst in the entire pathetic, abysmal life of old Donnie. And it's all because the stories that have been building up in the previous days, weeks, and months all converged at this exact moment to deal him a fatal blow that's humiliating him and exposing him yet again in one of the most perverse pieces of footage I have ever seen from this already revolting monster of a man. And it's connected to the fact that the legal news he got today is devastating. Mm -hmm. It's tearing him apart. And mm -hmm. guys, the man today, as bad as it is, in addition to all of that, has also taken a severe wounding blow and now is is very much injured. And it, it, guys, it's this is this is a broken man, literally and figuratively now. And we're gonna get to all of that. But we have to tie into the two big pieces of legal developments. First, you remember last night we talked about this, where the four person Hope from the Georgia jury came out and said all of these things that you know we shouldn't expect too much of a surprise. Heavily hinting, though not saying directly outright, that Trump and other people were mentioned for criminal charges in their grand jury report down in Georgia. And there were some people suggesting that maybe this was a bit of a lifeline for Trump. That the fact that the four person spoke out would give him and his lawyers an excuse to like dismiss any potential charges or investigations. But Trump was heartbroken and sobbing today when most people have come out and said, that's false hope. Helpful. It's going to give the defendants something to shoot at and mm -hmm. something to complain about. But at the end of the day, I, I think this is just uh, comic relief um, because, it, it, first of all, the evidence is the evidence. Um, this isn't even the grand jury that is going to pass on the indictments. Uh, this is just this was a grand jury that was designed to prepare a report. It did prepare a report. And what she told us, there were a few little interesting tidbits and hints there. Um, wasn't all that much in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we, we could have surmised that there were a number of people who were being indicted. And uh, she said there were no major plot twists. Well, OK, yeah. I, I don't expect all there the to fake have been electors. any uh, major plot twists. All the fake electors, Lindsey Graham and Trump. Oh man, that'll be this will be a great day. Can't wait.
And at the end of the day, um, it, you know, when, when these cases about grand jury uh, secrecy gets violated, it usually doesn't affect the trial because the trial at the end of the day is whether or not you prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt in before a pettit jury, not the grand jury. So that's George Conway, a very a leading, leading conservative legal expert, not very pro-Trump, of course, but a conservative legal mind saying, look, was it technically the most appropriate thing for this to happen? Probably not. She probably shouldn't have said very much. She probably shouldn't have agreed to take the interview. You know, probably causes a bit of headaches for Fonnie Willis and all of that. Nonetheless, this oh, will wow. not affect, one, the charging decisions of Fonnie Willis. She's not going to be moved by this. She's yeah. a career professional. Yeah. She's got her moves. She's going to make her moves based on the facts, based on her interpretation, all of that. But more importantly, this particular grand jury, the, the special one, does not make any actual charging decisions. And so therefore, this person speaking out, however inappropriate or awkward it might be, does nothing to bail Trump out. And this is why he's been so exposed tonight. And this is why, you know, everyone, including law enforcement, have been digging over newly released perverse video of Trump. The guys, it's just, it's, it's, it's rocking everybody's world, what we're seeing this huh. evening. And and guys, like, this is not going to be all out, because if there are charges coming, it'll have to be confirmed by an entirely new grand jury, and this person will not be a part of it. But then it gets worse for a couple big reasons, and it has everything to do with the bombshell around Jared and Ivanka. And this is big for three reasons. We gotta break them down piece by piece because it sets up Trump's perverse exposure tonight as well as his weakened physical state, how this man is now beset by emergencies of all sorts because this is the thing that's going to give him a, a heart attack. Thinking back on the different investigations into Trump, I think this is the first time that I can recall that either of them have been asked to testify before a grand jury. It's obviously a different environment than simply sitting down and being interviewed by prosecutors or agents the way that Kushner was during the Mueller investigation. And it, the biggest question, I think, here is what will Trump do? As you were pointing out, yes, Trump did allow them, or I don't know if that, that's probably not the right way of saying it, uh, Trump didn't try and stop them from speaking before the January 6th committee. What will he do here? We know that he has become very obsessive about these investigations in in recent months. He's obviously in a different place today than he was when the congressional investigation was going on. His, his legal criminal liability is even more to the forefront as all of these different sprawling investigations unspool locally and at the federal level. So what will he do? Will he try and stop them from testifying? It seems like they willingly went in to meet with the January 6th committee. The January 6th committee was able to use their testimony very effectively. I think, you know, they, they kept on playing that clip of Ivanka Trump talking about how she did not think that, that there was election fraud sort of endorsing the view of Bill Barr. They were, they were constantly playing these clips and Jack Smith showing Look, whether it's Mike Pence or the president's son-in-law and daughter, he's not afraid to reach as, as far into Trump's inner circle as possible. So the first part of it there really lays out why they want to speak to Jared and Ivanka, because more than most, 
They have the mindset of Trump. On J6, directly, because Ivanka was there, Jared wasn't there on the day, but especially in the days running up. She called the up, Patriots on January 6th. And more to the point, this is all connected to the breakdown of the Trump relationship. How, since this point, there's been a total severance of the relationship. And, guys, that's bad news for Trump, both from an ego perspective, but also legally. Oh, it's a Trump, what do we call them? Truth. It's so ironic, I can barely say that. But this is something Trump distributed on his platform, Truth Social. Quote, contrary to fake news reporting, I never asked Jared or Ivanka to be part of the 2024 campaign for president. And in fact, specifically asked them not to do it, Trump wrote, going on to say the campaign would be, quote, too mean and nasty. Is that to be read by anyone as cutting them loose? I think he tweeted that after they were known to have testified before the select committee. I don't know what he means by what he's saying. I can't, I, can't, I can't make sense of that. It's clear that they don't have it, at least based on sort of what we know. The, they're not in the room with Trump every day the way they were in the White House. Besides that, what does the inner workings of the Trump family look like post-White House? I don't have a great sense of it. I'm not sure if Trump was, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, what that message or tweet or whatever posting was about or what he was trying to say. At the end of the day, these were people who were around Trump for some of the most critical moments of his presidency. And to have access to those people, it would be a pretty extraordinary thing. It was extraordinary when the January 6th committee spoke to them. And it will be extraordinary if they ultimately, you know, are able to get their testimony before a grand jury, because these are not just run-of-the-mill aides. These aren't just people who were there at different points. They were there for the entire presidency and in the room for much of it. And that's just an incredible wealth of information. And if you're a prosecutor looking at Donald Trump in a wide, you know, range of things, you know, these are great witnesses. Andrew Weissman, there's another... Um line in this story I want to read to you because I forgot about this fact. Um, Mike's reporting. Look, like Jared and Ivanka were always looking out for Jared and Ivanka. But given now that they've done a full separation and Trump has tried to paint it as, oh, I didn't want them on board anyway because I want them to protect themselves and their kids. And, you know, I told them to stay away, which is total BS. We know they quit. Donald didn't fire them type thing. And the reality is with them fully separate from Trump, personally, but especially financially and politically, they have no motivation to lie for Trump. They really don't. I, like, you know, maybe they still, uh, God knows, but they have no motivation. They have all the motivation in the world to protect themselves, to make it clear that they were doing the right things and telling Trump to do the right things and they weren't, you know, egging him on and that they were part of Team Normal. And again, maybe they'll perjure themselves in an effort to protect themselves, but they won't perjure themselves to defend Trump. And again, if they were still working for him and they still needed daddy for all of their secret business deals and all of that, you could see them lying. But Jared and Ivanka have already built new lives, shady Saudi billion dollar lives. They don't need him anymore. And the third part is critical. And then we, we circle back after this to Donald Trump just being exposed and brutalized, and deservedly so. Who the Capitol with his armed supporters takes place in that window of time. What's the significance of Ivanka as a witness? 
So there, there's also that uh, discrepancy that we learned a little bit about from the January 6th committee between, I think, Sarah Matthews and Ivanka with respect to the president's state of mind at the ellipse and whether he was um, particularly upset or fraught um, at the time. And so this is somebody who is there on January 6th with the former president. So learning about all of his reactions what he was seeking to do, what his demeanor was, whether he wanted to go to the Capitol. Um, as Mike said, this is somebody who, yes, he is, uh, she is the president's daughter, but she also, because of that, was given this position at the White House and was an incredibly trusted aide, as was Jared. And it's in that capacity that they're being called into the grand jury. And I should say, it's not just about what happened on January 6th. There's a wealth of information they could have about the fake elector scheme, about mm -hmm. the pressure on DOJ, obviously the pressure on Mike Pence. I mean, there's all sorts of aspects of the um, investigation. Indeed, it could even go into Mar-a-Lago because it could deal with what was it that they were told about how to retain or not retain documents. So there are lots of ways they could become very useful witnesses. I'd say the other thing to really pay attention to is something Harry had like said and I'd like to underscore, which is this isn't just asking for them to come in for an interview. This is asking for them to come in and be in the grand jury. And that is, to me, the fact that shows that Jack Smith is really being tenacious. Um, that is, a, usually there are um, all sorts of accommodations that are made for people like this to be interviewed, um, to have their counsel present. But this is saying, no, like everyone in America, I'm entitled to everyone's testimony in the grand jury. And they're being treated just like everyone else. And I think that shows, you know, it's no longer like in the Mueller uh, special counsel investigation. The former president is now the former president. The attorney general is not attorney general Barr. And those kinds of accommodations don't need to be made um, or Jack Smith is going to be fired. And you see him really taking advantage of that. And so, guys, this is this is big. It shows that, you know, there's no accommodations being made by Smith. This means that they're not going to pull any punches. You might have given Ivanka a sweetheart deal. It, 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 maybe a, a softer prosecutor would have said, hey, look, we're going to do like with the J6 thing, maybe. We'll, we'll do it under oath, maybe, but it will be sort of, a, a, you know, a deposition in a quiet room, and you can, you know, bring your coffee, and it'll be like pretty chill. But it's like, no, they're bringing them into the actual grand jury. Just like you or me or anybody else, a low-level Trump staffer, thug, whatever, they're being called in just like everybody else with all of the pressure, heightening the pressure on them and probably increasing the odds that they'll screw Donnie. But this is where it gets bad for Trump because he was physically weak today. And that trip to Ohio, in addition to all of this, wounded him. But this short clip, it might not seem like much at first, is one of the most perverse, perverted things Donald Trump has ever done. Like, guys, I need to underline that to you. He is at the site of one of the biggest environmental tragedies in the last generation, if not longer, in the United States. And regardless of specific blame, he was supposedly there to support this ravaged community in their darkest hour. And what does he do? He tells everybody to have a great time. Because you know what? Donald Trump isn't trying to cheer up sad people. 
He's saying to them, I know your lives, your community, your health, the health of your children, maybe even children and grandchildren not yet born, given the mutative effects of the potential environmental disaster. Their lives are ruined, but you were graced by my orange appearance today, and so therefore, nothing else matters. Only a perverse monster would think that. And only somebody that's wounded their political and legal and, and, and family and all their career and all that would have that sort of desperate reaction. One of the worst days in Trump's life, and he deserves every bit of it. Sled chairman, why don't you call my name? Then the Murdoch mysteries. What is that? Housekeeper never saw breaking Rupert Murdoch and Fox colluded with Jared Kushner and the Trump campaign and provided Kushner with access to Fox confidential information about Biden's ads. Along with debate strategy. Yes. And gave Kushner a preview of Biden's ads before they were public. Wow. Fauci derangements. Good. Owns right-wing nut jobs. How the Spanish flu in modern history is generally pedantic. Corbin updates. Mars mysteries in the secret space program. Let's do that. Billy Carson, Mars Mysteries in the Secret Space Program. Billy Carson. mysteries and secrets still shroud the truth about Mars, our own moon, and even a secret space program that's been developed in the shadows of society. Tonight, I'm joined by Billy Carson, where we're going to dive deep into the truth about Mars and what NASA is holding back from society. Billy, you've appeared on some big shows, such as Coast to Coast AM, Gaia TV with the secret space program, and even the Anunnaki series with me and Gerald Clark. 
I just want to tell you, it's, an, it's a great honor to have you here tonight. Um, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, fantastic, man. I appreciate the opportunity just to be here and, and that you actually, you know, considered me for this uh, mini documentary. It's great. Well, I mean, there's, there's no one I could, could better um, think of for discussing the secret space program and Mars and all the things we're going to go through. So what's new with you, Billy? Are you doing any new projects? Oh, a lot of new projects, man, all the time. <laughs> um, so far, we have just released season two of uh, Deep Space. Uh, season one was a big hit uh, last year with Gaia TV. And now we have uh, season two out. And the first four episodes have already aired. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, it's really uh, eye an eye-opening. Even when I watch it, I feel like I'm learning some from watching, you know, and I was in, you know, heavily involved in the research for the, for the project. But even when I watch, I'm like, oh, wow, and some more stuff. So it's pretty, pretty good. And it's an all-star cast as well, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, and then also I'm in Ancient Civilizations on Gaia, which is another, which is a totally new original series that just is the first season, season number one. Uh, and uh, Melissa Tittle is the producer. She was also the producer over at Ancient Aliens. And um, she, she, she was also the producer on Deep Space Season 1 as well. She's done a phenomenal job on Ancient Civilizations. And I'm really excited about this, um, this series because it really delves deep into the nature of reality, which is one of my you know, favorite topics. Uh, so it's really interesting. And even again, when I watch it, I actually feel like I'm learning uh, from watching it. A lot of stuff going on. Wow. I, I mean, I guess to say you're busy is kind of an understatement, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on my book. I'm trying to get my book completed before I get to the Conscious Life Expo in February so I can have the book signing. And I just literally, before you we got on, the reason why I was a little bit late getting on this uh, this call was because Donnie Arcade, our top artist, just released his album, actually just officially showed up in the system, uh, which is called uh, Go See the World, the prequel to Enki. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's a really, that's a really nice album. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to teach people a lot, and it's also kind of fun at the same time. We go into the chakra systems. We go into a lot of a lot of great stuff, man. You know, ancient uh, civilizations. It's, it's, it's just a great thing. Well, Billy, it's it's an honor to have you here tonight. Now we're gonna we're gonna leave sort of um, the 3D of Earth. We're gonna go into our neighboring, uh, our call it our cosmic neighborhood, right? You know, yeah. the, around Mars, our own moon, and 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 what. What's the truth about what's going on around us? So we're right. going to try to go in somewhat of a chronological order, um, start with some really interesting information, and then go into some deep, some deep topics after that. Now, many might not realize some of the amazing wonders that Mars has. Before we get into some of the, the deeper truths and some of these ancient secrets that we're going to discuss tonight, it'd be good to set the stage, kind of set the stage of our, of our conscious understanding of what Mars is like. You know, what, how big is it? It, it? What kind of what kind of environments does it have? One of the things that people may not realize is that um, how extreme some of the natural features on the planet are for a planet as small as Mars. Mars is uh, quite a bit smaller than Earth, actually. And the diameter itself is less than 50 percent the size of Earth. But some of the features on the planet make make Earth's features just you know look like dwarfs. And um. And we, I want to go over a couple of those things because it's pretty amazing to learn how unique uh, Mars, Mars' climate and, and history was. And you can still see the remnants of that with ice caps on both the North and the South Poles. You know, whatever's left, of, you know, long ago past that, that used to have life and water flowing and all these things. 
looking at Mars, you know, we, we know Mars is called the red planet, and but, but why is it called the red planet? And that's something that I think that gets a little bit lost with people is that the reason why it's red actually is a clue to what occurred in the past. It's kind of amazing to learn about if you start just doing kind of, you know, some of the geeky ge stats, right? You learn about, well, what's the highest mountain in the solar system, right? Our entire solar system. And you actually find out it's on Mars. And it's a, it's a mountain called Olympus Mons. And it's 72,000 feet tall. So when you look at something like, you know, some of our highest mountains we have in the 20,000 foot range, this is this would make those look like anthills. And yeah. not, not only that, but this is actually a massive shield volcano that extends in, in such a large diameter in an uh, area that actually can cover almost the entire country of France. This is a massive, massive mountain. Where is Mars? You know, what has happened to its climate in the past and its environments to lead to this, this kind of barren wasteland that we, we see today? And people may not realize that Mars actually has two moons uh, called Phobos and Deimos. And this heavy layer of iron oxide that's covered the planet is, is we're going to actually look into why that is the way it is and the color that it is and see if that has some clues to, to what caused its own, its own destruction in the past. And you hit it right on the head. There's a lot about Mars that people just don't know or understand based on how they've grown up and what they've been told. <laughs> Through textbooks and TV, they believe it's just a you know a, a small ball of, of rock ice. <laughs> but it's totally something absolutely different. It's a living planet. It's still alive. Mars has an atmosphere. Uh, Mars has um, a lot of atmospheric gases, barometric pressure, and a lot of people wouldn't even think that Mars uh, could possibly be. 99 degrees at the equator in the summer. That's the highest temperature ever recorded by the Opportunity rover at the equator in the summer. So when you put that all together, you go, wait a minute, 99 degrees? As a matter of fact, a few articles came out several years ago that showed that in the winter here on Earth, it was colder in Detroit than it was on Mars. Okay, so that gives you an idea. Uh, it's, it's a planet where it definitely can sustain life right now in terms of temperature at least. Also, we have Valles Marineris, which is the largest trench in our solar system that we know of at this moment. This trench is so massive, uh, it's, it's like Mars Grand Canyon, what we have here on Earth. But the only thing is, this trench, in my opinion, was carved out by a massive cataclysm. And the massive cataclysm that I'm talking about is potentially what we see now are the remnants of an exploded planet, which we call the asteroid belt. In, in some ancient texts, it's called a hammered bracelet in the Sumerian tablets. It's mentioned even in the Bible. So everybody knew of this, this uh, exploded planet in ancient times. It's even mentioned in the Enuma Elish. And basically in the Enuma Elish, what happens is a planet called Tiamat, which uh, from different perspectives, is a collision between uh, a satellite of a brown dwarf star that crashes into Tiamat and makes it explode and from another perspective it seems like an actual ancient war that probably happened and uh and this planet exploded but what happened was mars according to tom van flanden which was a astrophysicist uh, who actually worked with nasa and at nasa he he he, he uh, said that he thinks that the moon i mean that mars was a moon of this tiamat planet this planet which was four times the size of earth and he based it on the trajectory that Mars' current orbit is in right now. It's the elliptical orbit 
And based on the mathematics, it seemed that it would have to have been thrown into that orbit after the planetary body that is now the asteroid belt uh, exploded. Um, so with the side that faced Mars, the side of Mars that was facing that exploded planet is what's the most charred and the most gorged. On the other side of Mars that was obviously not facing that, they consider it, scientists consider it the smoothest surface of, the, of, of any planet in our solar system. So you can see there's evidence there that one side took a major hit, which then pulled the crust of Mars and shifted it probably about 45 degrees on this axis and probably causing all kind of volcanic activity as well. And, and we're talking about something uh, like a gash in the entire planet that was taken out, right? I mean, to give people some perspective, I don't know if anyone, I'm sure plenty of people listening to this have been to the Grand Canyon. You know, it's one of the largest canyons on Earth, and yet... If we were to try to give some perspective on on the on this canyon that's on Mars, this canyon is six times deeper than the Grand Canyon, and it's yeah. it's over a thousand miles longer. So yeah. this is clearly something that you know is this water erosion or is this a gash left over from some cataclysm in the past? Absolutely, I, I think more or less it's probably the second of the two. It seems like from that exploded planet, which is now the asteroid belt, I believe that's. That explosion uh, when Mars was obviously orbiting that that potential planet. So, Billy, um, have you in any of your research have you delved into what some of the Anunnaki prehistory is on Mars and what it, was it used for uh, a mining and smelting location for Earth? Have you seen anything with that? Well, you know, doing a lot of research on on the uh, Anunnaki and the ETG working class. Uh, you know, going into the Encyclopedia Britannica, even some Wikipedia references and some other references to the Anunnaki, uh, even in books like um, uh, Gerald Clark's book uh, and even some of Sitchin's work, it all seems to have the same perspective that there was a, uh, a way station on Mars with a civilization of working class Anunnaki called the Ejiji that literally worked on Mars, built the civilization there, and mined it for resources day in and day out, night and day. Uh, it was backbreaking labor, as a matter of fact. I mean, they really got to the point where they got so frustrated with the labor, not only was it backbreaking labor, but they didn't even have any women. <laughs> and that got them really frustrated. And I think this might be part of a reference in, in the Bible in Genesis 6, where these Gigi leave Mars and come to Earth and then circle uh, Anki's and, and Lil's uh, camp and say that basically they're going to go to war with them if they don't get any relief. Uh, but at the same time, they also took back with them some women from Earth. So uh, it's, a, it's an amazing story, and, and there's a couple of different perspectives of it, but it really does appear that these Ajiji were working, mining on Mars, uh, uh, you know, for all different types of metals, not just gold, but many other types of metals. And they would also get shipments in from Earth for gold, and they would take that from Mars as a launching point to rendezvous back with uh, their orbiting planet. That's right. And, and that's and so people want to know to look into some of these these ancient tablets, look into some of the ancient Sumerian and Babylonian cuneiform tablets where, we, where they talk about some of this ancient prehistory of mining on both Earth and talking about beyond Earth and how Mars was possibly a way station in between Nibiru, between when they would go, you know, go between gathering metals and resources. And, and this is the this is the point where they would they would meet up and, and, and Mars is a perfect location for that being yep. so close to earth. And so we're going to, we're going to move out of kind of 
ancient ancient history and we're going to go into some some newer some newer evidence to look at because right now we we have a paradigm that exists um the, the book that i wrote called the illusion of us is based on the idea that there's this great illusion of our reality that exists and one and that illusion is based on the fact that we're given a certain narrative of what's real and what's not and one of those things that's very striking is that we're told we're the only we're the only life that that we know of earth itself and there's no life we know in the rest of the entire universe right it's all just empty dead space and mm -hmm. and that narrative has been followed very very closely because of the power of religion and the power of the model of reality that's been controlled for so long here and and, and it's interesting we see so many of these rover images and all these um kind of teasing news articles that come out where they say oh we found microbial life oh never mind we didn't and, all, and we'll, they go back and forth for years now and if any, anybody wonders why that is it's simply because the second that life and life was announced on another planet it would cause a paradigm shift so what everyone to understand why they're controlling that is because of how powerful religion is with the idea that we're just kind of alone here and there's there's nothing else there because if someone was to say well, there's there's life on Mars. Well, then it would lead to much bigger questions, right? Like, is there life anywhere else? And is there intelligent life anywhere else? And so you go down this rabbit hole, and that's what they're trying to avoid. Now, here in 2014, we had the Mars rover that was, you know, walking around the surface of Mars. Some don't believe that was real, and some do. But let's go with the, let's go with the possibility that they're actually on Mars, and they like they they say they were. And they captured this image right here. In this image, if you look closely in the circled area, you can see what is clear, even if for someone that doesn't, you know, study geology or anything, that, that there's some kind of a spiral shell there. And if you do a little bit of research into what this spiral shell is, you find out that it actually exists on Earth as well. And it's called an ammonite fossil shell. And it's a very common fossil shell on Earth, but then you start to scratch your head and be like, well, the same exact fossil is on Mars. So then you got to start asking some some big questions. And that's where we're going to get into looking into well, what is the truth? What actually happened to Mars? Did it have life? Did it have intelligent life? And what actually occurred in those times? And to start, we're going to go back to the 1970s during the Viking probe missions. And this is kind of this is where I think the great mysteries of Mars begin. And mm -hmm. Those, those mysteries begin in a place called Cydonia, right, Billy? Absolutely, right in Cydonia, man, which is an amazing, amazing ancient city is what it really is. You can see evidence of the DNM pyramid, which is a five-sided pyramid that has phenomenal geometry. Uh, it's clear, it's, it's not even a question whether it's a, whether it's not, is or isn't a pyramid, it's a pyramid. And there's no type of weathering that we know of at this moment that can cause that type of geometry to just happen to a mountain, okay? Um, you can see a moat around where there used to be water. Evidence of, of water is very clear over Mars. It's not even a question. And nearby, you can even see a small city. What's so interesting about the small remnant of the city that's nearby is that it actually is in the same exact um, formation of the Pleiadian star cluster. And uh, that's an amazing, to me, mind-blowing you know, thing, the fact that this city is set up to match the Pleiadian, Mar uh, Pleiadian star cr uh, cluster. And then if you look at a, a city ordinance map of Avebury in the UK on Earth, 
you pull down this ordinance, ordinance map from the from the internet directly from the Avery site, and you overlay it on top of the Cydonia region of Mars, you find that the man-made anomalies on the ordinance map in Avery UK perfectly match the anomalies that are on Mars on in Cydonia. And this is this is an amazing revelation. This was on uh, this clip came from sightings, uh, which is a show that came out in the '90s. They were so amazed about the um, the images at first as well, because NASA was openly showing this space on Mars. Some shows like sightings and some of the others started raising so many questions. And when this came out and showed that they match, and it appears that there's direct, there's obviously a direct connection between Earth and Mars on a consistent basis for this to happen. Um, even the guy speculated that within the show that it may have been where they were genetically modifying humans. Uh, so That's right. That's an revelation because according to these ancient tablets, uh, that's exactly what the Anunnaki were down here doing, genetically modifying humanoids on this planet in order to make us slaves of them. So uh, it's just really an amazing, uh, amazing thing uh, that, you know, this correlation that's there. That's right. And so uh, people want to know, this is a real image. This is not doctored except for the circles I made. And this is from the 1976 Viking One Orbiter mission, where they, which was the first photographs ever taken of the Mars surface. And that's why this is so important for people to understand, because it represents the first time we got to see the surface of Mars before there was any doctoring or discussions behind whether or not they had, we wanted to hide anything. We actually got to see the truth. And that's why we're, it's so important to understand why the 1976 images need to be the ones that are looked at the most. And let's, yeah. and let's go over why that's important. The 1976 image of the famous space on Mars is undoubtedly the reason why it, it launched it into kind of this big um, truth movement. And, and some people call conspiracies, right? And so the face on Mars comes out and everyone is, is, is looking at the fact that it's got these striking shadows and very defined facial features with what looks like a helmet of, of some kind of a, maybe a past king, which we'll go over, we'll go over later. But it's, it's very interesting to look to, to me how clear 1976 photos of that face are, okay? And, and, that, and, look, and look at the shadows and how defined it is. And then you look at what happened in 1998 and then again in 2001. After all of this time, with people really building up to the idea that there, is, there truly was a face on Mars, you had NASA say, well, we're going to go back and take more photographs of it. And in between those years, um, you, you saw it between 1998 and 2001, these images that were then taken that show nothing like the 1976 image. Now, there's been a lot of theories behind this. Now, and the, the unfortunate thing behind, I would say, the majority of society don't ask as many questions as they need to is when they saw these images most people accepted them and then just moved on it was like they turned a page and that was over yeah. for them whereas reality if you if you if you analyze the night again the 1976 Viking one order images you can see what you have there is nothing like what was captured in the later two shots and so what happened right well some of the theories are Either the images were doctored or an even more possible um, scenario that is um, quite shocking to, to actually consider would be that this face was destroyed yeah. by some kind of a some kind of a weapon mass. Billy, what's 
what is your opinion on the space on Mars? And do you think that the 1976 images are without a doubt clear on what, what's showing on that planet? Oh, the, the 1976 images are so clear. They're, they're some of the most high definition images we've ever received from Mars since all these expeditions began. Even the more current, more modern, up-to-date rovers that are capable of all this HD and all this video and everything else, we get these low-resolution images to download from the NASA.gov site. The 1976, we actually have a high, high, high resolution. I think I go to like a three or four uh, megabyte image which clearly shows exactly what we said. Pyramids, a clear face, uh, a clear eye, clear nose, clear mouth, and then some type of a city off to the, to, to the right. And I really do believe that uh, the reason why you see the later images uh, more degraded is because they purposefully either degraded them or the second option is that they definitely destroyed them. And I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards, more, look at the, the most recent image, that, that it was destroyed, that they sent a rover in there uh, and rolled it up in there with maybe some type of a device and imploded it so that they can destroy the, the features of the face, which it, which appears, you know, it, it, to me it appears that's what they've done. It would be very easy to do that because they, they even had a rover that went there that had five rovers that came off, a little mini rover. So sending one rover out on a death mission wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I mean, if you look at this, the, uh, the image on the right, the, the more red image, look how defined the eye shadow is. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't fake that. This is not a, this is not a trick of light. And, and look how large the shadow extends off mm -hmm. of the face. That mm -hmm. proves the, that it's a 3D structure that has, that has height and has defined features. Whereas the original image, you all of a sudden look, look at the difference, Billy. Look at the shadow. That, to me, that shadow disappearing, yes, someone could argue whether the camera was taken at a different place, there wasn't a shadow because it was directly overhead, but right. to me, the 1998 photo was taken on an angle. Yeah. looks to me almost the exact same angle as the 1976 photo, and yet there's no shadow now. What does that right. say? That the height, the defined features that gave it a shadow were destroyed. Exactly. It collapsed. They've been collapsed. Now, whether it's a natural collapse or an artificial collapse, we don't know. But, you know, all I can say is 9-11 <laughs> Building 7. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we can um, probably agree that it's just a uh, falling in on itself for no reason, right? Right. And if people want to say, well, that's too crazy to send a bomb to Mars, well, don't forget, we actually sent the bomb to the moon, guys. That's right. And, and so, I mean, <laughs> this is something that we do, unfortunately, as a species. We like to blow things up. Okay, so let's get into some of these a little bit deeper now. Let's, let's progress, to the, progress to the next step. And the next step is where I think I consider some smoking gun truth here. And I, I put this, this is part of what I have in the book. Because to me, if anyone wants to look at the evidence on Mars that, that is there from an expert that, that can prove that something occurred, they, they strongly need to look into a man named Dr. Brandenburg. Now, to start, let's give a little information behind this because one of the most interesting things I found was that if you were to try to go find images of Dr. Brandenburg, I found it very uh, kind of not, not comical, but sad that almost every image was an image of him kind of not ready for the camera or they're blurry or something, almost yeah. immediately like to discredit this person. So the image I have here was the best one I could find. 
because this man, in my opinion, has been so massively the uh, the intent of um, of making him seem like he's not legitimate and not an expert. It has occurred on such a fundamental level since 2012 that that um, I, I need to bring some credibility to this man because he deserves so much credibility. And so let's get a little information behind um, this brilliant man, Dr. Brandenburg. Um, if people don't know, um, in 2012, Dr. Brandenburg was, um, he was studying basically the planet of Mars. And the reason he was studying it was because he actually worked for NASA, he worked for um, jet propulsion labs, all these things, because he's basically an, a genius, he had a PhD, right? So he's a plasma physicist and he's designing this advanced rocket propulsion for, um, for moon and, the Mars, and Mars. And he's studying the soil and he's basically an, an expert on kind of nuclear and advanced weapon dynamics as well. So he's got all these different things under his belt and, he, and he's not anyone who's a conspiracy theorist. He's never been interested in those things if you read about his, his career. He was someone who was very highly sought after by NASA. So he's studying the soil on Mars because they want to land and take off from the surface. And so they have to understand the composition of both the atmosphere and the ground. So you could, you could fully kind of calibrate that rocket. And so Dr. Brandenburg is, is looking over and studying some of, the, some of the data. And he stumbles upon the fact that soil samples contain something that should not be there something that's impossible in nature naturally. If you look at our planet and you look at these fights that are going on with places like Iran, where they don't want them to get uranium that's, that's enriched to a certain point, people can understand what that means because uranium on its, it, on, on its own is not in the form when it can become turned into a weapon and become powerfully radioactive and cause destruction. You have to do a lot of different enhancements to it. And so what Dr. Brandenburg found was signs of this signature that's left over that can only be left over from nuclear weapons. And they only knew that because they've studied the scenarios with what happens on Earth from it, with studying the soil and then looking what, at what occurs in the soil from that. And so, so Dr. Brandenburg, is, he's looking over these, these, the soil samples all across the planet from all the different atmospheric um, areas they've tested and everything. And he's finding these extremely high amounts of, uh, like I was talking about, radioactive uranium, thorium, and potassium in the soil. Again, when, if you look into when often civilizations become involved in, in, in uh, lesser civilizations that are developing, and you look at all the evidence behind what happened in 1944, 1945 in, 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 on, our, on our Earth, during World War II, when, weapons, when nuclear weapons are going off, you see all of a sudden visitations and UFOs and, and all of this secret contracts and all these things because as a species on Earth, humanity had reached a certain stage. We had set off nuclear weapons. And on, on Mars, you, you, we see that signature, except we see that signature over a thousand times more powerful to the, yeah. to the fact that... Um, possibly this entire atmosphere was destroyed and to, we're gonna so we're gonna get into the fact that what happened to mars was it a natural geological process or did something did something much more devastating in, from a civilized civil um advanced civilization occur billy what is your research showing you well my research is showing you that um 
in the deep distant past, like what we talked about a little earlier, was that Mars was facing the side of the exploded planet Tiamat, and it caused a pole shift and severely damaged it, global flooding and everything else. But then it recovered to a certain point. And then not too long ago, in my personal opinion, I'm talking about just a few thousand years ago, maybe, it appears that there was a nuclear war on this planet. And I come to this, this concept or this theory just based off of what, you know, Dr. Brandenburg, his, his credentials, number one, as you just stated, are, to me, top, top notch. And then based on this documents, um, you know, uh, which was a great paper, and he wrote it in 2014, it was called The Evidence of a Massive Thermonuclear Explosion on Mars in the Past. That's the name of the actual paper. And so when you start looking at, you know, Mars has the high concentration of, of the gas isotope xenon-129 in the atmosphere. It's got xenon, you know, which is basically produced by nuclear reactions. Uh, we all know this from studying Bikini Atoll and some of the places that we've blown up on Earth, like you just said. And then the surface of the planet has an excess of uranium and thorium. Thorium and uranium are a byproduct of, of nuclear signatures. Um, but the fact is that you know, these, these conditions are, are likely the results of an anomalous explosions on Mars in the past. And I think that the, the evidence is very, very clear. And that information has been suppressed. And that, that is what I think did in Mars' atmosphere the second time with this, these so probably several massive nuclear, thermonuclear explosions. And this probably happened right around the time of the last pyramid war on Earth, where Ra had to escape out of the pyramid by his scribe, and he described them up for a secret hatch, and uh, he escaped. But there were a couple of pyramid wars on Earth, and the evidence of it on Earth is the fact that you have the Mo Mohenjo-Daro and the Indus Valley, you have vitrified sand, you have the dead body still laying in the street holding hands. You have in Egypt, when I went there, you put your hands in the sand. At Giza, you pull up balls of glass, which is evidence of vitrification that you're talking about 3,000 degrees to turn sand into glass. Uh, you know, so you have all this going on. We have all this evidence of, of, of it on Earth. And so it really appears that this war, this last pyramid war, not only was global, but it appears that it might have been interplanetary. It seems that it extended from Earth to our moon and even on to Mars and maybe even beyond. We don't know. But it seemed more like a, a war within this sector of the galaxy between the Anunnaki and whoever, or maybe just within them, between themselves. Isn't that mind-blowing to, to wrap your head around to try to think about? You think about how limited the perspective we've been given on, on, on history is, you know, fighting over little bits of land on Earth and, and yet all around us. Just in, in the past, you know, less than 100,000 or a few hundred thousand years ago, you know, mm -hmm. there was wars around us in space, almost like some kind of a sci-fi Star Wars movie, except you start to look at that, you start to realize, hey, maybe these aren't actually... You know what is sci-fi? Is it? Is it? Is it? Are they actually some kind of a loose documentary about what's actually out there in some cases? And and to, to me, when you really look at Mars and the situation that occurred in the past, and the soil samples and Dr. Brandenburg's work speaks volumes. I don't know how you can argue that there's no there's no way that these signatures could exist without nuclear weapons going off. So having said that, we need to look at the the situation we're in on Earth right now, with instability all over the globe and the fact that world war three might start and it could be a nuclear war and all we need to do is look at what occurred to mars let's think about for a minute a planet that had likely rich life oceans rivers forests 
everything you can imagine, like Earth. Just imagine a nuclear fallout that looks like when you had these thermal nuclear weapons that went off. And we've, soil samples are much more concentrated in certain areas than others. And that tells you that these that those were, were where the bombs were actually set off. And, mm -hmm. and based on that, if you look at the evidence, it's really kind of scary and, uh, <laughs> and depressing to think about because when these ma 